Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab. <laughs> My name's Goose. My name's Gabby. That gets and creepier every time. <laughs> <laughs> I like to keep it entertaining. Spicy. Right? Yes. Spicy. I feel yes. spicy. <laughs> spicy. How are you? I'm full of tzatziki. I'm, no, um, I'm, so I'm good. How are you? I'm good. What are we talking about today, Gabby? We talked about debt recycling. Debt recycling. I really enjoyed this episode. I think it was good. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm not a salesperson at all. <laughs> good. Very good. You should listen to this because it's you should, good. You should um, do it. Have it's fun, very bye. <laughs> It's a very interesting episode where we talk about the idea of turning your home into non-tax deductible debt or using it to fund your investments. Um, it's, uh, we, we tackled some interesting topics here about debt, uh, usage of debt, uh, how to think about that, tax, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's, a, it's a pretty high-level discussion, but I think it's going to open up some, some, some doors in people's brains in how to think about brain, this kind brain of doors, yeah. Brain doors. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what are some of the key points that we covered, Gabby, and, and who do you think is going to benefit from this episode? I think people that are going to benefit are like it's it it is a super high level strategic conversation. So it's like if you if you enjoy the strategic aspects of real estate and this whole game, and you can kind of see real estate as a big like chess chess game, mm-hmm. um, I think you're going to get a lot of benefit out of it. It is <laughs> I really enjoyed this conversation because it's high level being like, oh, how do we move pieces around? Um, directly benefit from what we talk about it's it's primarily actionable for homeowners so the concept is that um it's a strategy for homeowners and how to convert your um, debt on your home into um, a more effective kind of structure um yeah what do you think goose i think you covered it you nailed it i think it's fantastic and so without any further ado i've got nothing to add to that i think you've covered it it's gonna be a great episode if you fit one of those categories and even if you don't there is some great gold in there for you to check out as well so make sure you like share rate review comment do all the good stuff wherever you're listening to this there's probably some way to interact and if you could do that it'd be great because it's going to help some kind of algorithm to give this to somebody else it's going to be wonderful and, and we thank you for it but the other real cool thing you can do is you can actually send this to somebody else if you get this via email if you get this on on some other place on the internet you can share it with somebody share it with somebody who's going to like this as well the more people get listening to the podcast um the better that we get because we'll get more feedback and everything like that and on that note if you have any feedback send it to us hello at dash.com.au that'd be awesome we love hearing from people that are listening to the show and it's really exciting the all the feedback that we have been getting um, it lets us know how many people are out there listening to it, which is great. And the more feedback we get, the more enriched we get to um, to bring more valuable content to you. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more you give us, the more we give you. Now, without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey, guys. Welcome back to the Invest Lab. You with Goose and Gabby. Gabby, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Not a whole lot. Not What's a whole lot? Not a whole lot. What's going on with me? Lots is going on with me, actually. Um, Tell us a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, geez, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit... Um, there's, a, there's a lot going on. Uh, the team is growing. We're doing a lot of really amazing... Um, uh, investment into technology and research, which is super yeah. exciting. Yep. Um, what we're that's kind of I guess at the forefront of my mind at the moment is the work that we're doing to 
uh, I guess, to really transform the way Australia, Australia invests. You know, we're, we're investing heavily in not only just the research component, but also how do we optimize that whole side of the way people think about uh, investing. And that's um, that's a very unique set of um, problems to solve. You know, like how... <laughs> How can you how can you predetermine growth in an area? How do you determine long term viability? How do you how do you systematically look at that? How can you find correlating trends across fifteen thousand suburbs? It's really fascinating. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're absolutely loving it though, because I see you whenever you have chats about it, getting really yeah. into the data and figuring out these massive problems, and you're like, oh, this well, it's is a so huge cool. problem to solve, right? Yeah. So it's a ma- it, and and I love solving problems. The whole reason we started yes. this business, right, was to solve a problem. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if we go back to the whole the whole premise of why we started this business, it was. Yeah, we had a problem. We bought the wrong property, wrong place, wrong time, and then went, oh, hang on a second, this kind of sucks. How would we not do that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that has been that has obviously been a quest for the last few years is continuously trying to solve that problem better. Like, how can you, how can you increase the probability of success and decrease the probability of failure? Mm-hmm. And how can you do that on a on a, an increasingly larger scale? So yeah, I love solving big problems. So that. I think is um that's at the forefront of 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 things that are going on with me, but yeah, life's good. Life's good. Last time we last episode, I was I was like you know had insomnia and I was like ah <laughs> my god, I think my face was hanging off my hanging off my head, but I feel good. I've been are sleeping. you sleeping? Are yeah, you sleeping? I'm sleeping. Yeah, wonderful. Cut down on the caffeine a little bit. Um, you have. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been uh, you Not know getting just- your four shot long blacks. <laughs> indeed indeed but no life's good i'm happy i'm happy so i know it's funny i say i say not much is happening there's heaps happening but i think i just feel i feel happy i feel relaxed that's (laughs) good good. yeah i'm glad i'm glad and it's a really interesting time in uh it's a really interesting time in in real estate right there's a lot of hubris there's a lot of excitement there's a lot Mm -hmm. of activity there's a lot of questioning there's a lot of stuff going on you know like hey property market's booming should i have fomo is it going to last is there is it all going to is it a sugar high is it going to all of that kind of stuff and yep. so it's a really there's a fascinating it's just a fascinating world we're living in at the moment with the different just all the different things that are going on on a macro level on a micro level on a personal level um but life's good life's good what are we talking about today gabby well this is a topic we've kind of been chewing on for a while because I think it's a really interesting topic but it's debt recycling Mm. Um, so it's something that we particularly like we we speak with a lot of clients that um, kind of this strategy might help so we thought we'd just kind of talk about it totally Um, and who it what it is who it's for what the benefits are all that kind of stuff Yep. A couple of caveats to this episode. One, we're not experts. Two, <laughs> this is not financial advice. And three, go and speak to a professional. But Go re- get a tax person. <laughs> <laughs> the reason we wanted to talk about it is because it is an interesting strategy to yeah. consider in the mix of different things that you can apply in your portfolio. Maybe it's a more of a tactic, I guess, in a, in a sense. But well, it's probably goes first. People strategy. love these kind of strategies as well. Like it's yeah, a cool, totally. it's a cool like high level it's almost like a game of chess you know like this yeah. whole this whole real estate thing it's like a different strategy like oh okay how do i move that around to make this thing work and be more efficient and that kind of stuff so yeah exactly fun. exactly yeah. so um and again this isn't going to be for everyone like this is if you're we all we often talk about rent vesting and the benefits of rent vesting and there's a lot of benefits of rent vesting and in fact some of the benefits of rent vesting are actually tax benefits and stuff like that increased profitability and and all, all that kind of stuff 
And not tax we, advice. Not tax. <laughs> no, not not tax advice. We are not financial advisors. Um, <laughs> we're just we're just people hanging out, talking on. about ideas. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, if you if you act on anything in this episode without consulting a, a licensed financial professional, then <laughs> uh, well done. But um, <laughs> what we're talking so what we're talking about today is is not relevant for people who are rent investing. Right? What no. we're talking about today is 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 debt recycling and debt recycling recycling is ultimately a strategy that aims to reduce your current non-tax deductible debt or turn yep. your home from a non-tax deductible debt into a tax deductible debt, right? Yep. And so what that can do is, you know, obviously a lot of people want to, um, you know, they don't want to have the liability of having to pay for their home loan and all of that kind of stuff. A lot of and a lot of investors have a home, and a lot of people who don't have a home that are investors who might be rent investing now want to own a home. You know, there's a there's a huge big psych, psychological piece um, in owning a home. You know, it's not you know a lot of people can look at the mechanics of it and go, well, I'd financially be better off if I just never owned a home and I rented forever. But that doesn't necessarily meet the the needs of mm. people on an emotional and spiritual level yeah it doesn't satisfy everyone no and like and i, I often say to people like you obviously have the benefit of speaking to a lot of different people from all walks of life that are mm. interested in in investing and and people are like oh you know should should we sell the home or should we buy our principal place of residence and everything like that and it's like well like financially you know maybe maybe don't buy a principal place of residence but it's not all financial. You know, we always talk about yeah. investing. We always talk about investing and say, oh, it's not emotional. So it's, it's always emotional. It's 100% emotional. Like <laughs> We're human the, beings. We're, we're human beings. And the entire reason anyone even wants to invest <laughs> is an emotional reason. Like, is like, I want to live a better life, right? Totally. Now, better life is so subjective, right? So for some people, better life includes having a nest, a nest that they can call their own. Right, yep. and th- and there might not be any tangible mechanical reason, but the idea that they can say this is mine, and I live there, that can be enough. You know, it's kind of like why does anyone want to get fit? When like why does sorry, staying healthy is one thing, but why do some people want to go to extremes to become like mm. oh, like more fit than you would need to live a healthy life? You know, so there's like all of these kind of like differentiating factors in why what motivates us to do anything. So yeah. and even even us, like we're rent investors and we're pure like investment. But yep. even us, you know, as we're as we're developing as humans and, and our emotions come into play, it's like we're starting to think about like where do we want to buy our home? Like, you know, you have the dream home kind of vision and it's like that is innately part of within everyone, I think, is like where is like my nest gonna be eventually? Totally. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, certainly it's not to say like, oh, you know, don't own a home. It's like actually, well, firstly, a lot of people do own homes and secondly, mm-hmm. most people want to own a home, right? Yep. So, the problem, one of the problems, one of the downsides with owning your own principal place of residence, home, we'll just call it from now on, uh, is, the, is the cost of debt. So, mm-hmm. unless you own your home outright or on a very low Low loan to value ratio. Well, even you know, unless you own your home, outright, you're going to have some debt on it, right? And the 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 problem with that debt versus an uh, debt on an investment property is that the interest is not tax deductible. Okay, so what that can mean is that you essentially have an inefficient use of capital. Mm-hmm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So I think like the concept with um, you know tax deductible cost. 
is um, when you are using capital for an investment purpose. So this is, regardless of real estate, this is just like investment in general. Mm. You're using debt and that debt has a cost. So like you pay interest on it. If you're using that to fund an investment, then you can claim a portion of that um, interest, that cost of having that debt um, against your personal income. So versus, as we're saying, versus in a home, you're not using that debt to generate income. So that's not tax deductible. Yeah. So so what we're actually, what we're essentially talking about is using the equity in your home to invest in income producing assets, which can then pay down the debt on your home, which then in turn you can use to buy more income producing assets, which can in turn pay down the rest of the debt on your home. And so it's an interesting thing, right? Because on on the one hand, you're like, I can use I can use my property to pay itself down and not have any debt. But at the same time, what you're actually saying is I'm going to have debt mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm going to have debt attached to my home. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to be like that. For, it's going to be like that for some time. But I'm going to be using that debt to pay for itself so that I don't have to pay for it myself. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. and, and go on. No, it's like they, even that's like an interesting psychological thing. If we, if we roll on from what you were saying earlier about like emotional humans and our psychologies and we're all just big balls of emotion at, at yeah. the core, um, some people don't feel comfortable having debt. Some people have this psychology, which I think a lot of Australians, it's it's built into us as we grow up as I'm going to buy a home and I'm going to pay it down and I'm going to pay principal and interest and I'm just going to chip away at it and I'm going to pay down my home and that's kind of like debt is a bad thing. Um, so this kind of strategy is not really for those kind of people if you're like stuck in, I just want to pay down my home and just pay it off. Yeah. Eventually you will get there kind of at at the end of this strategy. Um, but yeah, it's it's you need a certain level of comfortability with having debt because you're you're you are using excess cash flow to pay down the debt, but then you're re-leveraging it out. So it's kind of like your debt level stays relatively similar. High. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say your debt level stays relatively high. And that's a really, it's a really challenging concept for people because, you know, as you say, a lot of people, uh, they want to own their home debt free. And I, yep. I totally get that. You know, yep. like I do a lot of, um, and we should do an episode on this as well, Gabby, but in terms of in like vision, like uh, vision, morning, you know, uh, morning rituals and stuff like that. I spend time every single morning writing out what my future life looks like mm-hmm. and it includes owning a home. It includes Gabby. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. It includes Gabby. <laughs> um, uh, and includes a, you know, a super yacht and stuff. But, um, <laughs> but aside from, but aside, but aside, but aside from that, you know, like when I think about um, our financial future, you know, I do think about the idea of like, well, I mean, you could have like, you know, 100 properties or you could have 15 of them and have them debt free. And there's kind of all these different ways to think about it. And the mm-hmm. idea of owning your home completely debt free is a really, is a really liberating feeling. So like, well, hey, I would live here and I just don't owe anyone any money. I've got to pay council rates and stuff like that. How fantastic. It's mine. Yep. Everyone, everyone else can go away. All good. <laughs> um, however, there's another way to think about it where you can ostensibly create the same framework, but it just requires a little bit more mental gymnastics. And that is the idea that you would have lots of debt, 100% debt on your property basically or maybe 80% or whatever, debt on your property but the debt would be producing more income than it costs to cover the cost of debt on the property. Okay, so, you know, there's a kind of like, you know, a, a simple way of thinking about it. You know, is it 
how would you feel about having $10 million in debt? Oh my God, $10 million in debt, that sucks. But what if that $10 million of debt was producing $20 million of income? Okay, well, that'd be fine, right? Because you'd, yeah. you'd, be, you'd be in profit by, 20 million, by 10 million, sorry. Now, it's the, same, it's the same general thinking with debt recycling and the, way to, and the way to approach that. It's kind of like, well, as opposed to saying, I want no debt, therefore my cost will be zero. It's actually about saying, hey, am I okay having debt if that debt produces a greater net return? Obviously, in that net return calculation, you have to factor things like risk, okay? Because no, any 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 investment is not risk free. No, 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 no investment is risk free. So you have to assess risk, and you have to say, okay, well, what is the probability that this will work out or not work out? And can I, you know, what's the upside? What is the downside? And can I live with the downside? Okay, so it's it's but it's an interesting it's an interesting proposition. Right? So put really simply, put really simply, the idea is if you have a home. And you have some equity in the home, then you can, you know, basically create a split, get a split loan or something to that effect. Uh, get a separate loan against the equity in your property. Use that to buy, say, an investment property or any income-producing investment. But we, for the purposes of this of this discussion, we'll talk about real estate. So buy an income-producing property, so cash flow-positive property that produces enough cash flow to not only cover the cost of its own debt, but also cover the cost of the debt that's been taken out of the home Mm -hmm. and then some, right? Because just having a net neutral position is fine because what you would do is diversify your wealth base. And just to kind of talk on that for a second, if you had one home, use the equity to go buy five investment properties, and then the total net cash flow position across all of it, once you factored in debt and all the operating expenses was zero and you produced no net cash flow. But instead of having one house, you had six, five investments in one home, mm-hmm. and they were all growing at a rate of whatever, 50,000 a year, then then you would end up in a, in a much, better, much better position holistically on a wealth perspective. Yep. But that's not going to solve the um, how do I live a better life and not have to go to work? Things so I don't have an income, right? But so yep. there's one, there's there's, a, there's there's two views that we need to take on all of this, and one is profit, one is cash flow, and profits don't equal cash, right? So you can have a very profitable proposition where you can diversify your capital as much as possible and just make sure that all of the costs are covered, and you're in a net neutral cash position, but you're building a huge amount of wealth. That's great. But really, what we want to do is we want to be thinking, at, in particularly in the case of a debt recycling strategy. If the cost of debt is $1,000, how do we actually create $1,500 so we cover the cost of debt, but plus also pay $500 down off the, off the remaining principal component as well? Cool. So how do, how, do we, how do we see like real estate being the best vehicle for this? Because like we've heard of like debt recycling being used, but primarily with shares because it's um, like as in you would – take you'd have some equity in your home your principal place of residence you'd take um a separate loan out to um against that home but that would then fund perhaps a shares portfolio that pays quite good yields um and then that would the the excess kind of net cash would go back into your home and that's kind of that recycling loop um Mm -hmm. so how do you see that in real estate in particular like why does this work really well in real estate yeah, well, it's kind of the same. It's the same equation, right? You still need to work out your cash on cash return. So, in the case of shares, let's just say you took out a hundred thousand dollars of equity out of the home and you bought shares that had a, a dividend of five percent, right? So you were getting a five percent cash on cash return on your mm-hmm. on your investment. Uh, and then, if the cost of debt 
uh, in your home. So, for example, the the cost of that hundred taking that hundred thousand dollars out was let's just say five percent as well. Then your the the dividends it would receive on the shares would cover the cost of the of the loan. Okay, so that's obviously not the optimal scenario. Like that's like a zero position, right? Which is which is fine, but it's not it's not brilliant. Yep. Um, so when you think about real estate, you need to think about what's the cash on cash return, which is something that a lot of people don't uh, don't talk about anyway. Like what is the actual cash on cash return? So the cash on cash return is how much cash did I put into the deal? So for example, if you buy a five hundred thousand dollar property with a hundred thousand dollar deposit, or but for the purpose I'll say deposit, but what I actually mean is all of the expenses, <laughs> stamp duty, everything. <laughs> like how much cash did you put into the deal yep. versus how much cash, cash does it create? So what is the net cash flow position divided by the the, the total cash uh, contribution to the deal? That's your cash on cash return. Okay, So your cash on cash return needs to be high enough that it can cover the cost of its debt and its expenses and all of that kind of stuff. So it's got to be fully net cash flow positive, right, for a start. Mm-hmm. But then you actually look at you need to look at what the net cash return is, net, net cash on cash return is. Now, this is all well and good because I think we're understanding the mechanics of like, okay, so if I take money from one place and I put it into another and it costs me money to take it out of one place, but it also costs me money to have it in another place, it needs to produce enough income to cover the to, to cover all the costs, the cost of the first place and also the second place. Yep. That makes heaps of sense. But there's the other component of this that we need to factor into the discussion as well, and that's the tax deductibility. Now, just to be clear, I've got no problem paying tax, right? But if you pay tax, you're making money. It's all good, right? Mm-hmm. So, so tax minimization shouldn't be the strategy. However... When you have, uh, when if you have the ability to transform non non tax deductible debt, i.e. in your home, into tax deductible debt, i.e. in an investment, you have the opportunity to actually save, or in other words, make money by being more efficient with the way that you're thinking about the the distribution of capital. Right now, the the problem is people think tax deduction means that it's free. <laughs> They're like. Oh my God! The interest on my on my investment is tax deductible. Therefore, if I pay three percent interest mm-hmm. per year, I don't pay any I interest. Pay nothing. I, I, it's free, right? Yes. And that's yep. just not true at all, right? So, uh, a more accurate way to think about it is it's, it's representative of your marginal tax rate. So, for example, if you're paying forty percent income tax, then uh, and your your uh, let me do some quick, quick maths on this. Let's say <laughs> that your interest rate is three uh, percent, and you have a forty percent marginal tax rate, then you would you would potentially be able to potentially be able to claim forty percent of the three percent, which means your total your total interest that you would pay on that loan would in in actuality be about one point eight percent, right? Mm-hmm. So so and this is a mistake I see a lot of business owners making stuff when they're like, oh my god, you get the full you get the full tax write down this year if you buy assets, right? So they go out and buy a, a brand new car. Because they're like, oh my god, it's free, right? They said I can claim the hundred percent of it on tax in the first year. Wow! And then they go and buy a fifty thousand dollar car, and then, mm-hmm. gonna, and then, it, then they only claim you know thirty, forty percent against it, and that still ends up costing them you know a big chunk of money. Be like, oh, hang on a second, that didn't really work out, did it? So understanding that is a really key component in the whole in the whole strategy. Cool. I was just thinking about um as well. So like one of the huge benefits of real estate in this kind of machine is like the the leverage component of it the fact that you can take one hundred thousand dollars and reap the benefits of a million dollar property if that's what your situation 
can um, produce. Yeah. And so that like ninety percent leverage is is rare, and it's it's a it's one of the beautiful powers of real estate compared to other asset classes. Definitely, that is yeah. like that's 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 that is like if you compare asset classes, it's very easy to see that you know shares, broadly speaking, grow by about six or seven percent a year. If you look at the if you look at the ASX index, um, properties on average grow six to seven percent a year. So why 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 would you choose one over another? Well, one it's leverage, right? That's the that's the key component, um, yep. and. Your, then you need to look at your internal rate of return. The, pr- the downside of leverage is to increase your costs. Okay, So yep. if you have $100,000 um, and you go and put it in shares and you get a 5% um, dividend payout, it's very clear you're going to get 5% on your hundred grand. Simple. Yep. Um, but with, with if you use $100,000 and get, get 10 times leverage on it and get by a million-dollar property, so 90% uh, LVR, then your cost of debt is going to be pretty high. So the the downside of that is that your your gross dividend, or in other words, gross gross uh, uh, rental return, mm-hmm. needs to be high enough to cover the cost of that debt as well. So you have more moving parts. So yep. there's there inherently there is slightly higher risk and slightly, well, sorry, let me rephrase that. There's slightly higher financial complexity. Okay, but yep. the benefit of real estate and the reason you can get so much leverage on it is because it's low risk, right? The only and and risk risk gets priced into all of these assets all the time, right? So, the reason that you can't get as much debt on shares is because they are more volatile. Like you just can't you can't get a ninety percent loan to value ratio on shares. They, like it just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, the reason uh, that commercial loans are typically much lower LVR again is because the risk is high. The reason yields gross yields are so much higher in commercial real estate is because the risk is so high. So risk always gets priced into an asset. Okay. So um, that's something that you need to consider and think about as well. So this mm. the idea of debt recycling is is brilliant in a sense from a financial instrumentation p- perspective because you can actually start to use your use your 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 place that you live as a financial vehicle, right? To start to create more wealth. But you need to understand the downsides, right? So, the 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 idea of it, um, you know, that you just go, you know, great, I'm just going to take all the money out and I'm going to create more money. I'm going to end up, you know, I'm going to pay down the debt and hey, I'm going to live happily ever after. is is cool, but you need to understand the mechanics of it. You also need to think then also what are the loan structures and how do I actually want to finance this? What's the best way of doing it? Um, you know, there is an, and this is not again, not, it's not financial advice. This is just a discussion to kind of push and pull the 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 points around paradigms. So think about the paradigms in a little different yeah. way. Uh, one argument could be made that that it might make more sense for you to, if you're going to take, um, let's say, $100,000 of capital out of your principal place of residence and then use that for an investment property, that you would uh, get an interest-only loan on the investment property. Why would you do that? Because you want to increase your total net cash flow position and pay down your principal place of residence debt faster. And when you pay that debt down faster, so let's say you pay, let's say you've taken out $100,000 and then you're paying, you're still saving and you've still got to have good financial habits. And then you say pay down another $100,000 of debt and then you can use another $100,000 for another loan. So you can start to then basically buy back the buy back the equity in your property and then convert that into a into a financial tool, right? So this is an interesting way to think about it. Now, the reason that you might not pay down the principal in your investment property though is 
because uh, paying down a principal is profit. Okay, so when we look at profit versus net cash, it's a really interesting um, calculation to think about because profit is the total return above above costs, right? On any on any asset, so a business can produce a lot of profit, but a really low amount of cash, <laughs> right? And that, so cash flow can be significantly. Did, am I making sense? Or am I just rambling here a little bit? No. So you're saying that in terms of like principal and interest versus interest only yeah. you should be considering principal as similar to profit like in a business yeah it would be profit so it doesn't make sense to be paying that down voluntarily well yeah so profit's not cash that's the important thing to think about so you yeah. can be you can be you can be stockpiling profit in an asset which you don't which it's a, le- a less efficient use of capital so let's say you buy an investment property. So let's say we walk through that scenario and you take $100,000 out of a home, you yep. go and buy an investment property and then you get a principal and interest loan because you're like, hey, I want to pay down the debt, right? Yep. All of that debt's tax deductible. Well, sorry, the, the interest on that debt is tax deductible anyway. Now, what you're really doing by paying down the debt in the, in the, in the investment property, what you're really doing is creating book profits, right? So you're creating on-paper profits, otherwise known as equity, and you're creating that in the investment property. Now, why would you do that? That's a good question. Why would you do that? You would do that for a couple of reasons. So you can use the equity later or so that you can decrease the total um, cash expenses on that property and therefore increase cash flow. Now, in the same scenario, if you have the opportunity to create $10,000 of equity or profit in an investment property versus $10,000 of equity or profit in your principal place of residence, and if in doing so on your principal place of residence was to reduce your non-tax deductible debt in your principal place of residence, it would be more efficient to take that $10,000 and put that against your non-tax deductible debt than it would be to put it against your tax deductible debt. Because reducing the reducing the interest payable on your tax deductible asset versus your non-tax deductible asset is a less efficient use of capital. Does that explain it better? Sweet. Yes, that was good. Awesome. <laughs> um, so, but, so, but it's a really interesting paradigm because then all of a sudden yeah. you're starting to push all this stuff around and go, hang on a second, I've got a home. I'm going to use that to get more debt and then I'm going to get that debt to not even pay itself down. It's like you're starting to really, starting mm-hmm. to really bend the way we think about this quite a, quite a lot. But it, it, it's kind of like... Like any of these things, if you can understand the game, then you can play the game better. It doesn't mean you need to go and do this, but it means that you, if you can think about it better, that you can. Yep. So the question then would be, would you get an interest-only loan on your principal place of residence as well? I don't have an answer to that. I'm just probably <laughs> <in> the question. <laughs> mm. If this, then that. If this, then that. Everything in life is an um, algorithm. Yes. Um. Hmm. I've got two questions actually. Go on. I think about it. So I guess with all of this, like, firstly, when when should somebody consider this kind of a strategy? First question. Cool. And who do people talk to about this? Like, which which professional? Because I think I think with a lot of people, you can hear us rambling about this and be like, oh, it sounds like a good idea, but mm. how do I actually put that into practice? I'll answer the second question first. Go for it. Um, you should have a good accountant. Yep. That's tax accountant. Yep. Tax accountant. Yep. Right. And you should speak to them about this. Um, and you should also have a good mortgage broker. Yep. And they should form your financial team together. Right. They should be able to communicate together. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they can communicate together, then they would have the ability to help 
help you answer the questions that you need to answer uh, in order to ascertain is it going to be a good strategy for you. That's the only way you're going to be able to do yep. it because everyone's, everyone's personal financial situation is different. You know, it depends on how much you're earning. Is it even worthwhile? You've got to do the maths on it. You know, you may end up creating a net benefit of $1,000 a year, but you might end up creating a whole bunch of um, stress and headache and anxiety in doing so, and in which case you would say to yourself, is is the stress and anxiety worth $1,000 or would I pay $1,000 to just not have that stress and anxiety? And that's a real, that's an investment too, right? Yep. The investments the investments we, we make are not just purely financial, right? The investments ultimately are always about us having a better standard of living. So you've got to make sure that you're considering the cost of a financial return versus the cost of an emotional return. Uh, and that's a very, that's a real true cost in investing. So there's no point in being stressed out of your brain uh, to make a small amount of money if you would in turn... <laughs> just exchange that money to not have the stress that's something to consider yeah i think rolling on for that like emotional return as well it's like you actually having that team mm. is actually a really good emotional return to have to have a team that you can ha- have these conversations with and i think that's actually circling back to where you started is a really interesting um point in terms of connecting your mortgage broker with your accountant and making sure that they're in communication either with you or like without you where they can just converse together about your strategy um, because I think a lot of people um, like if you're serious about like buying quite a few investment properties then that's kind of a crucial thing that's really going to help you if there's communication between them so it's not just going through you and then you communicate with your broker and your broker needs this thing from the accountant and that kind of thing if you can connect everyone I think that's really helpful. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And like just on that, so we've got we've got some clients where we you know, we are buying a lot of properties for them. Um to 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 the degree that I am connected with their mortgage broker and their accountant and we yep. together the three of us form a part yep. of their their core team, right? So yep. I speak to the broker and I say, "Hey, we're looking to buy another property. We're buying roughly a property every sort of month or two months for for these for these clients." Uh, so I say to the broker, hey, uh, like how are we looking and we still all good? He talks with the, the accountant, the accountant talks with me and the broker, we all talk together and we say, yes, cool, what moves can we make next? Let's do that. But it's a, it's a group effort, right? Yep. Anyone, if you want to start getting serious about this, you need to start thinking about that team. Yep. Um, meanwhile, meanwhile, the client is is building their business and um, they're involved, but you know what I mean? There's a, this team on the side that are doing this for them. So yeah. it's cool. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's pretty sweet. Um, so then that first question was, um, who is this for? Is that yeah. what you asked? Or like um, when, when, when should people use this? Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure there's, there's people that own a home and maybe have one investment property. It's like is now the time? Like how, how would they know? I think they honestly, I think it goes back to the, the, the first part of that. It's like you have to go and talk to your accountant and your, yeah. and your broker. If it's like worth you, it, I guess. Totally, totally yeah. because you, it would be impossible for me to sit here and say, if you've got equity in your home, you're an idiot and you should go and put it in an investment property. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. Like you've got to look at look at the whole financial situation. This isn't a magic bullet either. Like if you don't save, right? If you are not a good saver, if you don't have a good financial IQ, if you don't have good financial hygiene, if you're looking for some kind of magic bullet so that you can just like spend more money on chips and Netflix. Dip. Chips and dip. <laughs> chips and dip. Classic. Uh, this is not a chips and dip strategy, <laughs> right? So, at least not in the short term. Chip-free zone. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Get out of here with that, 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 that Zaziki. <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> <What's that? laughs> I don't Zaziki. know. Zaziki. Zaziki. Nice. Um, Delicious. <laughs> in, in in any case, it's not a magic bullet, right? So it's actually <laughs> it's actually a pretty complex um, thing, which is why not a lot of people talk about it, right? Yeah. However, however, it is I if you have the right um, financial fortitude, financial IQ, financial uh, habits, it can be a really good tool. Mm-hmm. And that tool can actually help you to expand your wealth and actually increase your cash flow over the long term. Um, but you have to be comfortable with debt. Um, and you have to not just be comfortable with it, but actually be realistically able to tolerate the risk. Because right? some people can be really comfortable with things that they're actually probably shouldn't be that comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, oh, yeah, I'd love to have a billion dollars worth of debt. It's like, yeah, but you can't even save for a pair of shoes. So probably not that responsible. <laughs> so we need to, you need to, and sometimes the only way to ascertain that kind of stuff is to get an objective perspective. Like, I, you know, go speak to your financial team and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Is this going to work out better or worse for me? Um, can I get some advice on that? Now, you, you, you know, and if you're not satisfied with the advice they give you, go and speak to somebody else. Like, get some, get, get second and third opinions. Um, this isn't a one size fits all solution. And this is not just for anyone who owns a home, go and do this. Yeah. Um, however, it is something to consider if you're looking to uh, reduce the cost of debt on your home and be able to replace that with, with other. Uh, another source of uh, revenue, right? And does that kind of answer the question? Yeah, but I guess like high level, it would be homeowners, if you own a home and you either have or are looking to get cash flow positive properties, right? Like It only only works if you're producing cash flow. Yeah, and it only works for homeowners. So it's kind of like if you're in that situation where you own a home or like you you have a principal place of residence, Mm. Um, and you either have or are looking to buy cash flow positive properties, then it would be worth talking with your financial team about debt recycling and whether this is a good decision for you. Totally. There's a whole other, like I just thought of this, there's a whole other reverse way to think about this as well, is if you're rent vesting and then you build up an investment property portfolio and then use your portfolio to buy your dream home, but... If that dream home is bought in a, and this is, I'm just making this stuff up, guys, just to be clear, right? <laughs> just to be clear, I don't know if this works, right? But if let's it, see where you know, it goes. <laughs> yeah, if you then use your investment property to fund buying your dream home, but if that was bought in a trust and not in your own personal name, but then you rented back off that trust, then you would be a tenant, so that would be an investment property, and therefore that debt would also be a tax. Nice. Boom. Wow. What do you think about that? <laughs> just a guy because they're both like that. Sounds like it would work. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds like it would work, right? And I think the key with all of this is just to really understand that it's all a game. It's all a game of finance. So it's a game with high stakes, right? Let's not let's not stuff around here. Like it is a game with high stakes, right? It's not a game that you want to stuff up and just be just take unnecessary risk. But like just that example of going, well, what what would it take if I already had a home? How can I convert that home into a, a tax deductible debt? Right? How do yeah. I how do I turn my home currently into a tax deduction? Then, if you think about it on an inverse, said, well, what if I wanted to buy a dream home and I just wanted it to be a tax deduction from day one? What would that look like, and how would I need to think about structuring that? And mm-hmm. what would what would be the difference between me being the homeowner and me being a, a you know being an investment property? Uh, and what type of loans would I need to get on that? So, there's a very interesting ways to think about that. Mm. Mm. Mm, sweet, sweet, cool. This um, is fun. 
It's <laughs> fun. Uh, is there anything you think we didn't cover? We kind of talked about what it is. We kind of talked about how it works, super high level. Um, we talked about who it's for. We talked about some of the benefits with it, uh, some of the downsides with it as well. Complexity, stress, when you would use it. Yeah. Oh, a couple of different ways to use it. So there's a few different ways you can think about doing this as well. So um, some of the, and again, talk to a broker about this, but some of the ways that you can get the equity out of your property to use it for this kind of purpose, you could get a line of credit. Um, typically, line of credits cost a little bit more. Um, you could get a split loan or a, or a refinance or get a cash out um, to to do it that way. You can get an interest-only loan or principal and interest loan. There's a few different ways that you can take the equity in your property mm. and carve it up to take it back out. Um, so yeah. that's an interesting thing to think about as well because a lot of people don't from, think about line of credits and stuff. Yeah, from a, from like a portfolio operational perspective, mm. um, they say it's best as well to not just do a like an equity redraw from your home and then increase your um, home loan, like your pers- uh, PBR loan, the, the advice is to get a separate loan, whether that's a line of credit or a like a split loan. Yeah. Um, primarily for by the time tax co- tax time comes around, you basically just get one statement that says this is how much interest you paid and that's the tax deductible portion. Well, it's actually there's another reason too. If you just get if you have your home loan, it's non tax deductible, right? Yep. And if you just extend your home loan, you're extending your non tax deductible debt. Yeah. Yep. So if you want to take your equity out and turn that portion the turn that portion of the whole equation into a tax deductible component, it needs yep. it but it by definition must be separate from your home loan. Yep. So you have to get a split loan. You have to have, get a separate facility to take that out. Yep. You have to you have to find some way to separate it from your existing home loan to be able to use that in an effective way. Yep. Awesome. Important. <laughs> Important to know. But again, your financial team should be able to support you on this and be able to give you the, give you the right advice in order to to effectively execute this yep. uh, strategy. And again, make sure that you're buying assets that are going to be able to support this and make sure you do the maths on it, do the right numbers. But I think we've kind of. I think we've given this a, a good, a good red hot crack. We red did. hot crack. Awesome, yes. guys. Love your feedback. If you uh, enjoyed this, if you if you think we got anything wrong that we should have included, Ooh, if you're like, on. if you're out there and you're an expert on this, and you're like, I'd love guys, that. I'd love you that. did Please not cover know. this property, then maybe come on the show. Maybe be a guest yeah. and reach out to us and let us know. Because our our goal with this episode was not to um, try and say, God, we're an expert in this. It's actually to bring another idea to the table yep. to say, hey, have you thought about this? This where where does this fit? This idea fit in with your portfolio and all of that kind of stuff. And it's a really interesting idea. And if anyone's got better insight on it, we'd love to talk about that as well. Um, if you if this has helped to open your eyes to a new way of thinking about um, tax deductible debt and your home and all of that kind of stuff, let us know. We love feedback. And if you think this might benefit somebody else, make sure you share it with them as well. Awesome. Awesome. All right, guys. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. See ya. Yeah.